Now, could I welcome all of you tonight? We do thank you for coming, and especially for those family and friends of our dear sister Deborah. And I really appreciate you coming tonight. I mean that most sincerely. So wherever you've come from, we're really delighted that you're here. We're delighted. We've been looking forward to our sister Deborah taking part this evening. And of course, I'm just thinking, of course, as you would be, of her late mother who's in heaven. And of course, she would have been absolutely thrilled that her Deborah was taking part in the service. She prayed for you often. And you were much in her thoughts and in her praise. Because I work on the streets with addicts and I'm more fearful coming up onto this pulpit. But my fear is that, that God doesn't get the glory that he deserves. You know, my desire is that you don't see me or what I do, but you see God and what he does and what he can do in a life um, surrendered to him. But um, you'll have to bear with me. I have a few wee notes with me as well because I hate to leave things out that the Lord lays in my heart. But I just want to start with a wee verse. Um, well, actually, I want to start by saying thank you for inviting me <laughs> and thank you all for coming, um, family and friends and other people that, that I don't know. But you know my mum and dad. And um, so, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, but I just want to start with a wee verse, James 4, 8, and says, Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. And that is such a very special verse to me. And you'll see why as as I continue on with my story. But as I say, I was brought up in a Christian home. And we went to Martyrs Free Presbyterian. And mum and dad always sent us to um, the Friday night meeting and Sunday school. uh, But I have very fond memories of those days um, as a child going to those places. And um, so I would encourage... um, and if you who are involved in youth work and children's work, just it can be hard work, I'm sure, <laughs> working with kids. But I have very fond memories. And there was many a seed planted um, in, in those wee meetings. And um, so I, I would encourage us just to, to, to keep that going if, you, if you're involved in children's work. But it was a, it was a very, um, I grew up with three brothers and a sister, and it was a, it was a great upbringing we had. We had lots of fun. Um, there wasn't really any social media and all that sort of thing, so we played outside all the time, and we had, we had good times growing up, very, very fond memories. But as I grew older and went to secondary school, uh, maybe fifth form or whatever, I, I got involved with the things of the world, and I thought I was missing out um, by not being in the world. And sadly, I, I walked away um, from God and walked away for, from from the church and um, went into the world. And I won't I won't go on about what happened in the world because you just know yourself. I mean, it means nothing, absolutely nothing. It's fleeting, um, it's temporary. There's there's nothing good in it, and there's nothing good has ever ever come from alcohol that I see in this world. Absolutely nothing. And um, but about 14 years ago, um, I sent my son um, to a wee uh, Baptist um, children's group um, called Bridar in Cumber and um, one night the parents had to come so my friend and I we, we went to that we hadn't been to church in many 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 years and um, but we went to that wee service because the parents had to come and um, and the first thing 
we noticed even before we got in was those wee women had something that we knew we didn't have. And now that I, I know it was the Lord Jesus Christ in their life, it was that peace, it was that contentment, it was everything I could see in them, um, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that drew me. And um, I started going to the church with David, my son, he's here tonight. And um, I would sit at the back and then mum got wind of it and she invited me to her church and, and I started going um, to her church. But I started to come under conviction of sin. Um, I realised I was a sinner in need of a saviour. But I had two problems um, that, that I faced. Um, I thought that, that God could never love me. I thought I was too bad a person. And secondly, how could I change my lifestyle? Um, so week after week I went um, and one night the pastor said, um, don't, don't walk out of this service until you give your life to the Lord. But I did walk out, but the whole way home I was so troubled. And um, whenever I got home, I opened up my Bible and I just cried out to God and I said, if, if you could love me, I need, I need to know, I need you to tell me that you could love a sinner um, like me. And um, so I turned to the word, and we all know that Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While I was in my sinful state, Christ died for me. And I realized at that point that God did love me, and that the blood that was shed on the cross could cover all my sins. So I got down on my knees, and I asked the Lord Jesus Christ into my life. And that second problem that I had was, how could I change my lifestyle? But again, my desires changed. I became a new creation. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And he changed uh, my desires. He gives us the, chain, the, the desires of our heart, but he put them there. He made me a new person, a new creation in him. And my, my desire for my old life was totally gone. So I started going to church regularly. And... Um, in a very short space of time, I got involved in Teen Challenge. Now, it was by accident. To me, it was by accident, but obviously nothing is, is by accident with the Lord. But um, Teen Challenge are, are uh, a charity, a Christian charity, that help people in uh, addiction. Um, the verse has already been said, who, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And, um, but I was blown away by these guys that did a wee drama um, at the church and it was how their old life was and how they were in total despair, trapped in addiction. And then the next thing they were singing um, along to the, the, the they were singing um, choruses, whatever it was, and I'm giving God all the praise and all the glory. And I couldn't believe this. I couldn't believe that these guys were telling their stories that were in bed sets, that were on the streets, were totally and utterly broken, and how God had totally changed their lives, and now they were worshiping God. And um, so I signed up to be a prayer partner for that ministry and I got a wee email to say there was a meeting on about it so I thought it was a wee prayer meeting and I went along and I was handed a piece of paper to write down what nights I could go out in the outreach bus well I hadn't been lo I hadn't been long back with the Lord and I knew very little and I had this terrible fear in fact I was going on holiday and it ruined my holiday because I thought what on earth could I do how could I go out on the streets and help these guys in the street I know absolutely nothing about addiction and I know very little 
of the Bible, only what I had learnt um, from my mum and uh, from Sunday school and that wee meeting. But um, there's um, what I came to realise was it's not our work. We prayed every time we went out and God gave us the words. He gave us the ability to go out there and speak to these guys. And what we did was we sat down in the streets of Belfast, um, on the streets in, in the city centre, um, outside hostels, we sat down, we had a cup of tea with them, we took a bus out and, and we talked with them. And we were able to share what God had done in our lives and we were able to open the word of God and share um, the, the things of God with them. And as in Daniel 11.32 was a very special verse to me and it says, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That's why we prayed every time we went out because it wasn't us. The more we got to know God, the more we were in his word and got to know him, his power, his ability, the more we were able to be strong and do exploits. He worked through us by the power of his Holy Spirit. So I, I, I loved that work I did it every um, Saturday night for about eight years and five years ago my world fell apart you know people say some people say oh when you're a Christian that's it everything will be great everything will be hunky-dory everything is great because you have the Lord but you still go through things and five years ago um, I was engaged uh, to be married that engagement was off um, my son ended up in um, an abusive relationship where he, where he was abused physically, mentally, and we, we grew apart in that period of time. I didn't know what was wrong with him, but I, I knew afterwards, and that broke my heart. And then I became ill and had to have an operation and was two months off work. Now, I hadn't been, I'd never been out of work before, and, um, but I have to say, those two months were the most precious time of my life, and I understood that peace that passes, surpasses all understanding. I had never understood that before. How do we have that peace in the midst of trouble, you know, that God says that we will have? But I experienced that peace. I, as that verse says, I drew near to God because I totally and utterly cried out to him. I needed him. I leaned in him and um, he drew near to me and he revealed himself to me himself to me in a very supernatural way he revealed his love to me through his word through his presence spent time in his word time in prayer and I had this burden then suddenly um, and desire to go out on the streets not just of Belfast but over in the UK all over England Scotland wherever I had this desire to take this message of hope um, to the darkest needy areas now it was God that had given me that desire as I drew near to him he drew near to me and I was able to hear from him and I wrote it down in my in my prayer journal and um there was a wee verse that he, he also gave me at that time, um, and it's Psalm 27, 13. Again, another favorite. There's so many, and it says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, I felt myself going into despair, teetering on the edge, and I knew I had a choice to make whenever I read that verse. I could choose to let myself go into despair, or I could choose to trust 
God, trust in his goodness and see his goodness in the land of the living. And my mum's favourite word well, that, I, that I remember um, any time I phoned her, maybe having a pity party was, she'd say to me, Deborah dear, are you not trusting? You know, so, and, and I grew to, to trust um, God more and more and believe that I would see his goodness. And I also read Romans 4, 18, and it's talking about Abraham who against hope believed in hope that I served the God of the impossible, that nothing was impossible for him and that I could hand David over to him and leave and, and pray about David, pray about my own situation and leave that all with him. And at my, my spirit lifted, I had, again, I had that peace and I was able to bring my petitions to the Lord with thanksgiving, knowing that he was in control, knowing that he would work everything out together for good. And Second um, Chronicles 20, 12 um, says, neither know we what to do. This is whenever uh, Jehoshaphat was in that battle. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And I really learned to keep my eyes on the Lord, to take my eyes off my problems, off my situations, and to keep my eyes on him. And I grew stronger and stronger in him. Um, Philippians 4, 6 to 7, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes, surpasses all understanding, shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. And you know, this is a message, you hear a lot about mental health nowadays, everybody's um, it's, it's on the television, it's on billboards, it's everywhere about people's mental health. And um, I'm going to speak about that in a, in a wee second. But even that verse, you know, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. When we keep our eyes focused on him, that helps our minds. That helps us with our mental health. We have to look after our mental health as much as we have to look after our physical health. And it's all there in the word of God. We can look after our mental health by reading his word and standing on his word and trusting his word. Um, so as time went on, I was healed. And um, David, one night, um, I, one night I, I thought... I thought he was dead. I, I was out looking for him all night. I'd got a phone call to say he'd gone missing. And it was just, and I, I went out in the car and I just prayed. And I said, Lord, I says, um, don't let David be dead because I don't know where he would spend eternity. I don't know if David has given his life, surrendered his life to you or not. And the next morning I went to his work and he was at his work and he said, Mom, I'll speak to you later. Everything's okay. And I says, well, your nanny and me's going to the prayer meeting. Do you want to come? And he said, yes. So he came to the prayer meeting. And um, as soon as we sat down, a friend of mine turned around and says, okay, you David, because he, he had gone to church when he was younger and says, what are you doing here? Did you get saved? And he says, yes, I did. What had happened that night was, what had happened that night was, um, the night that I thought he, 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 there was a possibility of him being dead. I don't know where his state of mind was. He spent the whole night walking along the beach crying out to God and that was the same beach that I used to go and pray for him um, I, I always say have a wee place where you can go I loved the beach um, at um, Sevier Hollywood I can't remember which, what it's called now um, but I used to love to go to that beach and whether it was the vastness of, of the ocean when you looked out there it's a beautiful coastline and it just gives us a glimpse of the vastness of our God 
And um, so David gave his life to the Lord and he never looked back. And God took him out of that situation and God restored to him everything that had been taken away. He now has a a beautiful girlfriend. um, He has a job. He has a beautiful apartment and he loves the Lord. And again, if if you have unsaved um, children, relatives, keep praying. God tells us just to keep praying, keep praying, keep knocking, keep praying and and trust God with that. Not to worry about them, just to trust God um, because he can do the impossible, even when it seems impossible. Um, The we... we, um, that wee vision that the Lord had given me, that wee burden, desire to travel all over the UK, I had put that in my prayer journal. And about a year, year and a half later, um, I had been getting out, going out to church and the, the Bible study, and that particular Bible study had been on the call of God. And I really, really felt that God was doing a work in me and he was preparing me for something. So one day, it was actually the 12th of July, um, three and a half years ago. It was the 13th of July because it was uh, the 12th of July was a Sunday. Um, I normally go out with my friends down to uh, Newcastle. But I'd felt the Lord say, just stay in, because I, I worked hard, and um, just stay in, take the day off, and take time out with me. So I took my Bible and my prayer journal down to the beach at Bangor, and, um, and I was asking the Lord, I says, what is it you're calling me to? I really do feel as if you're, you're calling me to something. I don't know what it is. Um, I'd almost forgotten about that little um, desire, burden he had given me to travel all over the UK, simply because at that time, I used to go to England um, um, one weekend a month and I was always glad to get home. I was homesick. I I had no desire to be in England. I didn't like it and so I knew it wasn't of me. But anyway... I'd said to the Lord, I would need to hear hear it audibly. I would need the writing on the wall. It would need to be so clear. I wouldn't want to make a mistake. And um, as I came away from there, um, the director um, of Teen Challenge UK um, phoned and he said to me, he knew me a little bit, and he said, I've something to put to you. How would you like to take a team traveling all over the UK, taking the gospel message of hope into the darkest, most needy areas? Well, I had to phone him back um, because he had absolutely no idea that God had given me that burden, that desire um, a, a year and a half before. And um, so I went home and I, I picked up my word and um, God confirmed it through his word. I phoned my mum and she said, if, if, if God's calling you to it, you have to go. And um, so she wasn't like, you know, oh, you can't be doing that. Because what it was, was traveling into the darkest areas where all the addicts and the prostitutes are, um, taking this gospel message of hope to them. But as she said, if God calls you, you know, he's faithful. He's the one that will do it. And um, I went to wee service that night. And again, it was on the call of God. And just as a, and, and this is just a wee something, but you know, God, God can speak to us in any way. He speaks to us mainly through his word. But whenever you draw near to him, he draws near to you and he's always on your mind. I was sitting in traffic that morning and somebody walked past with a t-shirt on that said, just do it. And um, now I didn't realize that time that was a Nike slogan. <laughs> and I was saying, just do what? Um, and, um, and that was a few days, sorry, before that, that, that call came through. But when I went to that wee uh, meeting that night, the pastor was, was preaching and he said, do it. 
And I said, he's going to say, just do it. And he said, just do it. So the Lord confirmed it in so many ways, mainly through his word, but different things, even on the Bible study leading up to it. Um, I had absolutely no doubt. Whenever I went to the pastor afterwards, um, he had suggested that I maybe throw a fleece out, but it wasn't his vision. And he's a very supportive pastor. I love him dearly. Um, but I knew on the way home, I didn't need to throw a fleece out. I didn't need to ask God. God had, had, had given me the vision that I had asked for it audibly, what he wanted me to do. I'd been given it audibly. And um, he confirmed it through his word. So I handed my notice in. And I was a company accountant. had been a company accountant for 20 years. And uh, Phil Hills, who had... Who'd, um, asked me to, to come over and do that job. He asked me why I'd been so sure about it because I hadn't, hadn't asked about money or anything. But when, you, when it's a call from God, you don't need to worry about finances because the Lord provides. And, um, and I've lacked nothing. But he asked me why and I explained to him what had happened um, the, the year and a half before. And he had said that he had asked me, um, he said if, if he had a list of 100 people, um, a blonde middle-aged company accountant would not be on that list. But it's God. It's God does the work. Um, it, it, it's no, not by might. You know, it, it's, it's, it's by his spirit. And, um, but he had felt that whenever I went over to visit, um, that the Lord had laid it on his heart that I was the person for the, for, for the job. He had had this burden. Um, in fact, Global Teen Challenge had been given um, a wee prophetic word to take the gospel um, into the most needy areas, to put hope, to help to put hope within reach of every addict. There are so many people down from addiction all over the world. It's an epidemic. Um, America, they're talking about it. And um, so he had felt that we weren't um, putting hope within reach of every addict and had this burden to send teams to live in an area for six months at a time and um, going in, reaching out to those in addiction. So whenever I, I, I moved over, whenever I say I lacked nothing and, and I didn't need to ask about wages or anything, I, I was in a good job as a company accountant. I had a, a company car, I had great holidays, I also had a little bit of debt. Now, I was trying to, to, to um, clear a bit of that debt myself, but it was a fraction of what I could clear by doing a few extra hours as a care worker every week. Um, but I, I prayed about it and made an effort to do something about it myself. And I thought maybe, you know, somebody would hand me a check for the, for the amount that, that I was in debt. Um, but no, God's ways are higher. And what had happened was I had to sell my house before I even knew I was going away, six months before I knew I was going away, because, because David had come out of that relationship. You know, you know, the enemy meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, turned it around for good, because I had to sell the house. He didn't want to live there. The girl knew he lived there. And I was able to get two-way apartments, and my debt was cleared. Um, now I would never have thought that, that that's the way my debt would have been cleared. Sometimes we have it in our head what way God should do things but you know he, his ways are higher he works in different ways and we just got to keep trusting keep praying and doing what we can as well so three um, three three years and four months ago I moved over to England took my car got a one-way ticket and um, went over to England and as soon as I got there I was given a desk in uh, the Men's Residential Centre also has the head offices there and I was given a desk and I sat at that desk 
and I could hear that we, we have, uh, there's a few preachers um, that, that are there, and I could hear Phil Hills, but I could hear this guy, um, uh, Pastor Jay Fallon, praying next door, and I just thought, oh no, what am I doing here? Oh, I'm, oh, I'm a fraud, this is a big mistake, you know, when I could hear him praying, the way he was praying, he was, and I just thought, so I went out, and um, there's fields all around it, and I went out, and there's a wee a passage in Ezekiel 37, and I'm sure you all know it, and it's about the Valley of Dry Bones. And it says, you know, the Lord set Ezekiel down in this valley, right in the midst of this Valley of Dry Bones. And when I think of this, of the amount of addicts there are, and I just think of me, I just think that what on earth can I do? I can't do anything. But when I read that um, about the Valley of Dry, dry Bones, and, and God said to him, can these bones live? Now, he wasn't asking for Ezekiel's opinion on that. He was asking Ezekiel, do you know me? Do you, can these bones live? So in my eyes, you know, in Ezekiel's eyes, it would have been, no, it's impossible. But we serve the God of the impossible. And Ezekiel said, oh, Lord God, thou knowest. It's God that does the work. We've just to be faithful. When he tells us to do something, we've just to go and be faithful and trust him, be obedient and leave the consequences to him. That job seemed massive as if it had been set down in this valley of dry bones, but it wasn't me. It's God that breathes lives, uh, life in, in, into the bones. Um, and he said, prophesy to the dry bones, um, hear the word of the Lord. And that was my job, to take the word of God to these people on the streets, to these people that were broken in despair, trapped in this addiction. And uh, that was my job. And the first place was Middlesbrough, Teesside. Well, Phil had actually said Teesside. So I googled quickly Teesside and my heart sank because all I could see were all these steel bridges and steel works and it just looked absolutely awful and I, I don't particularly like bridges and the first day I went there um, it was pouring down with rain I went with two guys three of us went and moved into um, a house rented a house for six months in Middlesbrough these two guys had been in addiction themselves had got saved had gone through our program when it, when I say a rehab program it's a year-long discipleship course that's what it is they, these guys get a two-week detox and then it's a, a year of studying God's word um, which is amazing what they learn there in a year you know would maybe take me five years um, to go through it's an amazing program then these these guys that I went there with had also gone on and done a leadership academy where great speakers come into the academy in the mornings and in the afternoons they go out as a team onto the streets of Birmingham, Nottingham, um, Derby, different places and it's amazing because they've all got a story to tell you know we've always to be ready with our testimony you know to give a, a, a reason for the hope that is within us and so I went with a couple of these guys we moved into um, a house and uh, we just went out I had emailed churches um, soup kitchens before I went I, I, I made a few connections but we basically went out on the streets we had a bus um, which was a, a very old very 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 old bus that 
if, if I'd have known that it overheated, as soon as she drove it, it overheated, I had to drive 140 miles in that bus to get up to Middlesbrough. And um, as soon as it came to the first roundabout, it started overheating. It was in the middle of the summer. I had to put the heat on full blast. It wouldn't go over 50 mile an hour. And, um, but it got us there, praise God. <laughs> and, um, and it broke down the very first night on double yellow lines in, 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 in a town that I had absolutely no idea where I was. I'd never been in it before. And again, I sat at the wheel of that bus and I went, I, I started looking inward, you know, what am I doing here? I'm a fraud, I'm a fake, who do I think I am? And again, God said, no, this is my work. <laughs> You've just to obey, be obedient. And, uh, and that bus didn't break down again the whole six months until the day we left. <laughs> so God was faithful with that bus. We went on the streets, tea, coffee. And I just wanted to talk a wee bit about the work because it's God's work and what he does. We took that bus um, to Middlesbrough and, s- and parked it on a street corner in the centre of town. It was dark. Um, it was at the back of the, the, the centre of uh, the, the centre street of the town. And um, But week after week, these guys off the streets, off, off around the area, some of them weren't on the streets, some of them were in hostels, they would come to that bus because during the day we would go out on the streets, we would talk to them, we would sit, w- uh, sit with them where they were at, have a cup of tea with them, um, give them a sandwich and just, just talk with them, just love them with with the love of God and um, so they came faithfully there to that bus and um, then they started coming to church with us. I always encouraged them to walk to church um, because it was in the centre of town and they would walk to the church. Many of them would walk to the church and then midweek, that wasn't even enough, so midweek we knew in England there wouldn't be as many services on as there are here sadly but we knew of a great service that was on about 20 minutes drive away so we we said to them, we had two cars between us, we couldn't take the bus we couldn't carry passengers in the bus but we had a couple of cars between us and he says, look, come here on a Wednesday at seven o'clock, we'll pick you up. Wait here, we'll pick you up. Well, it ended up we had to go back and forward, back and forward with these two cars. It was amazing, it was just their desire to come out. And we took them to a service where they got a bite to eat. And then there was a time of worship and a testimony and then a word um, from, from the Bible. So it was amazing. And the, they continued that whenever we left. Some guys, we were able to get into our rehab centre and uh, one particular guy, Daryl, just to give you an idea again of how God can take somebody who's sitting in the gutter and, uh, and set him with princes. And he, this guy, Daryl, was on the streets and, um, and and you know what some of the guys are like in the street. Most of them, you know, the, the, the smell, the, the, the just living on the streets. They don't have the wash facilities. Um, and they're, they're, they're dirty. And um, But this guy started coming to church with us. Sometimes he would fall asleep in church. Sometimes he would be sitting and you'd hear this bzzz and he'd be trying to charge his phone with two live wires. And, but he came faithfully, and every time he came, he cried. He cried. The Lord was working on him. And uh, zoom forward, he, he, he went through our program, and then he went on to a move-on place that we also have where these guys can... Um, uh, go to college, get training, you know, with work, tiling, whatever it may be. He got his driver's test. He um, 
uh, got his NVQ level three in health and social care, and he's now moved on to our leadership academy and has got a part-time job working with um, children um, with autism. Now, this is somebody with 240 convictions. That's just God that has taken him out of the gutter that people would have stepped over. Add on that, that he, he, in fact, whenever he came into the program, his girlfriend had died outside, so he went through a lot, but he knew, I knew that he had got with the Lord because he didn't walk away whenever she had died. You know, he trusted God for whatever the reason. He trusted God, and he's doing amazing. He's now um, doing street outreach himself as well. So, so it's amazing, and he just loves the Lord. And that's just one tiny little example. Um, after that, we moved on to Blackpool. And again, Blackpool, as soon as I, I ended up loving Middlesbrough, by the way. Uh, but then Blackpool was very different. Um, in, in Middlesbrough, it was mainly heroin and methadone. And uh, Blackpool was spice. Now, I'm sure some of you have seen about the spice. It's, it's a legal high, which became illegal, but it just um, turns people into zombies. And again, you looked, and it looked impossible with these guys, but God's bigger. And um, guys started coming to church with us, got saved. Some went, uh, went into the program, but there was one particular guy. Um, he, was, he was an ex-soldier, living on the streets, had been in, in addiction for many years, um, since, well, since he left the army. And... Um, five years it was actually, and um, he was an alcoholic, he was a drug addict, he was on medication, health medication, everything he was on, and again, it was somebody that I looked at, and I just thought, oh, it's only the God of the impossible can do something in this guy's life, and uh, he wept sore the first night we met him, and he was wanting to kill himself, he was crying, it was pouring with rain, we were all soaked, and we just prayed with him there on the street and every day we met him and he would ask for prayer and we were able to stand in the streets of Blackpool and just pray and he started coming to church um, he would come to church covered in blood he was constantly getting beat up covered in blood stinking of alcohol but he would come and the wee church that we'd find in Blackpool was a great church that would would bring him in and uh, wipe his sores and uh, and sit with him and if he fell asleep that was okay and um, but he loved church in fact one Sunday he was in hospital he was in and out of hospital he was in hospital and he appeared at church. He walked out of hospital just to get to the church. We had another guy who slept outside the church just to get to church. So these guys are hungry for the word of God. And, um, but anyway, he started to, to, to drink less. Uh, we opened a little drop-in. God supplied us with a drop-in. This guy that I, I'd emailed, he said... Um, he met me for about two minutes and he says, there's keys. And it was a, a little shop front right in the center of Blackpool. And he says, use it for whatever. So we were able to use that as a drop-in. When we would meet guys, we knocked doors, we'd go around the streets. We couldn't have a bus in Blackpool because there was nowhere to park in Blackpool. But the Lord supplied um, the drop-in for us. And um, it was a safe place that they could come. And we were able to have a time of worship. We were able to open the word of God. We were able to pray with them. And I give them a cup of tea. 
something to eat and uh, again these guys were coming to church but that guy Anton he he started to get better and better and he eventually went into a a secular rehab he gave his life to the Lord he loved the Lord and um, so he went into that secular rehab and suddenly the drugs place there got him somewhere very quickly so our place can take about three months to get into but he went in with his bible and it ended up in that rehab um the local church, he asked, would the local church pick him up for church, which which they did morning and night and midweek, and he ended up taking some of the other guys um, to, to church with him in that secular rehab. Um, now, sadly, six months after he came out, they put him in a place that wasn't a great place. He went back to Blackpool, and within a week of coming out, he was dead, and it absolutely broke my heart. But here's the thing. This is something else that the Lord had given me. Lazarus, the beggar, um, and the rich man, Lazarus died a beggar, but he was swept into the kingdom. And I believe God and his grace, there's a lot of these guys, we know that addiction, uh, people in addiction do not live you know, much beyond 40, and if they make it to that length of time. And I believe it's God's grace, as well as lifting out these disciples like Daryl, he is reaching out to these guys you know, with the last, that last chance. And, uh, and they're, gra- they're, they're grasping it, they're grasping it. And he, he, was, he was a beggar. And, uh, but I believe he was swept into the kingdom because he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. He wanted to know him more. He wanted to get in. He was reading his word every day. He was praying to him. Uh, but sadly, when he came out of the addiction, just somebody gave him something and he took it. You know, that was, that was his weakness. Uh, but God's grace and mercy, his mercy is new every, every morning. And, uh, um, so these, um, we have had many deaths, but we've had many guys whose lives um, have been totally and utterly restored. Um, the, after Blackpool, we moved on to Liverpool, and I've just finished in Liverpool, um, six months in Liverpool. It's mainly been men in the other t- two cities, um, but even before I went to Liverpool, I knew it was going to be women, and, um, and right enough, um, the Lord led us straight to the red light district in Liverpool. And um, normally, girls and, and women in prostitution, it is very hard to get speaking to them. It's very hard to get them to connect because they're either out there desperate uh, to do a job to get their money for, for their drugs. It's a vicious circle. You know, they're just, des- it's just desperation and chaos. It, it, it really is. Um, these girls aren't out there because that, that's what they want to do. They're just totally and utterly desperate because of the, they're so trapped in their addiction. And a lot of it in Liverpool is crack. You know, it's heroin and crack, but a big problem is crack. And it is affecting everybody's mental health. Um, it, it, it really, really damages the mind. But these girls, when, when we arrived on Shield Road, the BBC iPlayer had done a programme on it. Um, it wasn't a great programme. You know, you really felt for these girls. I watched it. And... Um, but, you know, praise God, we were led to Shield Road and these women, um, there's three of them have entered our programme, given their life to the Lord, have entered the, the programme in their 40s, so very near death. In fact, one of them was, was days from death whenever she came on to our little bus. I took her straight to the hospital and the, the, the hospital kept her in for four weeks and said she was days from death, you know, God in his mercy. And um, there's another girl caught in, up in, the prostit- in prostitution 
condition in her 40s. And um, on the very day that we arrived, she had found a little pebble with hope written on it. Amazing how God works. And she's now, the letters I get from her, how she talks about the Lord, how he's rescued her. And she's dealing with a lot of things. Our program is a year long because these girls and guys, drugs totally suppress your feelings. So whenever you are off those drugs, you have a lot of guilt, shame, a lot of things, because a lot of them have had children that they've ended up having to, to, to give away or, or relatives have brought them up. They have a lot of guilt and shame. But we, we help them through that, we, um, through God's word, you know, and we let them see who they are in Christ. And um, so these, these teachings from the word of God um, help build them up and strengthen. They learn to stand on God's word and they have the strength then to go out there and, and face what they have to face. And um, so God's been good. You know, he's been, it, the work can be very difficult, um, but it's also, I feel very, very blessed, very, very privileged to be a part of it because it's definitely not anything that I can do because I know nothing. I, I know very little about drugs, you know, but so God can use any one of us. And I would encourage you, you know, to ask God, where is it that he wants you to work? It might even be a soup kitchen once a week. It might be knocking doors. It might be the kids' work. It might be inviting children or, or, or bringing people to church. It can be anything. We, we, we use everything and anything. We just go, we just ask Lord, the Lord to lead us where he wants us to go. And um, I just I touched on the mental health and only just, I'll just keep you another few minutes, but um, the, the, the mental health issue, especially in Liverpool, I was really, really, I thought I can't go on like this because everywhere I went, um, for example, a women's hostel, you know, some of these hostels in, in the countries as well, in Belfast and all, you can get into these hostels and, um, you know, so you could even look into that. But for example, this women's hostel, about 30 women in it and every, I would have gone in and uh, had a wee chat with them. Um, very chaotic, most of them in addiction, most of them have issues, but all I could hear everywhere was my mental health, my mental health, my mental health. And I just thought, Lord, you know, what, what, what can I do here? And, um, but I was reading a wee thing and it was a wee secular thing, Psychology Today, um, from Psychology Today, and it was the Selena Institute, Women's Mental Health Matters. But as I was reading it, it says nine ways to improve your mental health today. Okay, so number one, tell yourself something positive. And immediately I was thinking of the scriptures, you know, Psalm 139, 14, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, those great thoughts that the, the, and, and the plan that God has for us. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, only son. This was all, tell yourself. And I say to these girls, um, what I do is I take in little jars of hope. And they're plastic jars and they're full of hope. They're full of testimonies, my testimony, the people I'm with, their testimony. Um, there's different Bible verses, but there's a little section on your mental health. And they're very drawn to it because they're just so fixed on their mental health. So, you know, I say to the girls, you know, tell yourself something positive. Well, we could look in the mirror and tell ourselves something positive, but would we believe it? You know, because it's coming from ourselves and it's like, well, we could tell ourselves anything. But when God says it, we have to believe it. He's the God that cannot lie. 
And, and another example is number two, write down something you're grateful for. Psalm 136, verse one, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Number three, focus on one thing. Um, Hebrews 12, three, which is one of my favorite verses, you know, for, for consider him lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And this goes on and on, these different points. But every, this was a, from psychology today, these nine points. But we could so relate it to the Word of God. And I believe it is in the Word of God. And it is God's desire that we look after our mental health as much as our physical health. And um, so this was just a great wee opening for me. And um, for us, we took these jars into this hostel. We, in each city, we've, we've handed out about 80 of these jars. Um, to people that we've been working with. That's just people that we have been working with and built up a relationship with. And um, the, the, the feedback on that, I stand, some people say to me, how do you switch off? I don't switch off, they become my friends. Uh, you know, I, I love them dearly. You know, the Lord's placed them in my life. They're human beings, they've got problems, the way I've had problems, but we know the answer to every single problem is the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And um, so I don't switch off and I still get called and texts and I still go back and see them in different cities they're friends they're you know a lot of them are work in progress um, just recently we went back to Blackpool because one of the guys was getting baptized and um, and another girl had decided she was coming to say she says do you know what I want to get baptized too and she had given her life to the Lord so I had a change of clothes she was able to use that and uh, so we, we, we stay friends with them and um, but the, the feedback I get on these jars especially because these you know, girl says to me, thank you for that jar. I've never looked at the Bible that way. And it's just simple. It's just explaining to them, you know, different wee things. Just they're getting a glimpse of what is in the word of God, you know, that, that hope that is in, that is in Christ. Um, so, so, so much feedback, but it's all God because he's the one that has given, given me all the ideas, given us all the ideas. He's the one that has told us to go. He's the one that's directing us um, when, when we look to him. You know, we all know Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. You know, that wee bit about me going to England. Whenever I was engaged, I'd had the opportunity. That guy was English and I'd had the opportunity to go to England. But it didn't even cross my mind because I hadn't prayed about it. My attitude was like, oh no, you know, you'll come over here, you know? So little did I know, you know, that, it, that God wanted me over there. And um, so it's amazing, but in his gentleness, he drew me to that place. Um, I, I was at church this morning and, and it was, um, oh, what, what, what was it on? And I just thought, it just left me there. <laughs> it just left me as soon as it came to me. But um, it, it's just about drawing near to him and letting him um, speak to you. You know, we can be busy in the work and, and, and miss what he's saying. I missed that, you know, that God was calling me over to England. So it, it, I, I, I went a long way around, you know, but God was gracious um, in, in how he, he drew me to that place. He drew me, as I drew near to him, he drew near to me. And then my ears were opened to hear what he was saying. Sometimes we have it figured out. We have different things. Lord, you can deal with that and I'll just deal with this. Not intentionally, that's just the, the way we can be. I, I, I'll deal with this. Um, when really I should have prayed at that time about that, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
you know, and I thought I had it all worked out. And um, but we've got to we've got to lean on him. We've got to trust in him for absolutely everything. And um, I just want to give him all the glory, all all the honour for what for what he's doing, and and over over in England um, through this ministry of Teen Challenge. Um, so many guys, live spirits. So many so many have gone on to be preachers. Um, teachers, um, different families restored. It's an amazing, absolutely amazing ministry, but it's all because it is Christ-centered and it is centered on the Word of God. That program is centered on the Word of God and that is where we get our hope. That is where we get our freedom. That is where we get our, our, our forgiveness, everything, everything that is found in Christ. And there was one wee verse that I wanted to leave with you, but I can't remember where it is, but sure. I'm hoping you got something from that and I'm, I'm hoping that, that you're encouraged to, to, to draw near to the Lord and see where he wants, wants you to be, what he wants you to do. It might be once a month going and serving in a wee soup kitchen. It might be helping those kids once a week. Um, but just ask the Lord what he wants you to do and he will lay it on your heart. Okay, so I just want to give him all the glory. Thank you. Thanks. Half, we do want to thank Deborah for sharing her testimony and telling us about this work that she's involved in in Teen Challenge. I know the time is ticking on, but I just want to tell you a couple of little things. I remember reading as a young Christian a book uh, called The Cross and the Switchblade. Isn't that right? It was written by a man called Nicky, Nicky Gumble. Nicky Cruz, that, that's right, okay, Nicky Cruz. And he, he, he was trying to, uh, well, he led a gang or something, and he, he was um, spoken to by this man called David Wilkinson. And uh, he said to the preacher on the streets of New York, I'll cut you into a thousand pieces. And this is what the preacher says. He says, you cut me into a thousand pieces, that's okay. But every piece will say, I love you in Jesus' name. And, of course, that man, Nicky Cruz, uh, became uh, a, a believer and had a wonderful change made in his life and of course I think that was David Wilkerson was the founder of the Teen Challenge uh, movement and um, we do appreciate Deborah for telling us about her work uh, over in England. Do you remember the work in Teen Challenge and do you remember the retiring offering we'll carry over to Wednesday night and if you want to support that work then please feel free to do so. If you want to put it in a little envelope then do that as well and just mark on a Teen Challenge or uh, Deborah Swandle.